Welcome to the Dipshit Files, episode 67. That is Mrs. Scriptkeeper. Hello. And I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. Yep, yep. And I have no idea what I'm about to listen to today. <laughs> you, would you give me some sort of... Give me something. Okay, so... What kind of file am I looking into here? We're looking into... Today is Axe Murder Day. Oh, God. So we're in the A's. That's we're, good. we're in the A's, yes. Back to the front. Back to the front. <laughs> you will do what I say when I say... Uh-huh. Right. We're doing an Axe Dipshit. Open the file. All right, so this week's episode was actually inspired last week Mm -hmm. uh, by a post that I saw on my Facebook feed. Okay. So one of our friends uh, in our area had posted that her child, her teenage child, wanted to take a trip on her own on a bus to another state to go visit a guy she had met online. How old? I can't, I, I don't remember. Teenager, though. I know she's in high school. I mean, she's, under 18, it's like, oh, nah, oh, yeah. Nah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, she was like 15. Okay. Okay. Hey, hey guys and gals, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> What's the age of getting to go across the country right. with your boyfriend? It knew. <laughs> so, my first instinct was no. Your internet boyfriend. Jesus fuck. So, the reason why she had posted this is because she started it off saying, I'm the worst mother on the planet. Well, that's not fair. So, probably. Okay. She told her no. She said she couldn't. And I think if I'm not mistaken, either maybe the father or maybe, I don't even know. Somebody had led her to believe, besides her daughter, led her to believe that, you know, what's the worst that could happen? It couldn't have been the father. The father's head exploded when that question was asked. Like, what? (laughs) With my daughter? So there was something that happened. And so she basically threw it out there on Facebook saying, friends, what would you do? <laughs> well, I'd find that boyfriend. Right. And I would find uh, yeah. a hole. No, thank you. And I'd make the hole big enough for the boyfriend. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I never commented on the post, but what popped into my head was this story that I had read a few years back. Mm-hmm. And it was appalling and awful. Hmm. So uh, this is the story so this that is we're going to. Worst case scenario is, of going across the country this is, when you're. This is why the mother should be glad she didn't send her daughter to go meet her online boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Are we ready? I guess. I'm not oh. sure what I'm in store for. Yeah, well, uh, we might need, mm. you know, if we don't have, we might need friendly friends. Back I don't to know. the front. <laughs> you will do what I say when I say. Okay, I find it funny that you bring up Metallica. Oh, yeah? And you'll find out why shortly. Really? Mm-hmm. Shit. I'm psychic, that's why. So let's get it. All right. And you said friendly friends, huh? Possibly. Oh, fuck. All right, let's start it up. Okay. Are you ready to learn about a massive piece of shit? Kirk Mahammed, I had to. Friday, September 18th, 2009. In a small, quiet town of Farmville, Virginia, this Friday would uncover a brutal and gruesome quadruple homicide oh, yeah. that would shock everyone who lived there. Quadruple homicide? Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So Emma Keeley Niederbrock was born on Thursday, the 15th of October, 1992, in Champaign, Illinois, to parents Mark Allen Niederbrock and Deborah Sue Keeley. 
Emma's father, Mark, was actually a pastor at their local Presbyterian church, and her mother, Deborah, was a doctor. Uh, Pastor Mark had been the head of the local church for six years and had been born on March 20th, 1959 in Illinois. He graduated from the University of Illinois with a major in photography before going on to work as a graphics designer. Now, after some time working as a graphics designer, he decided to turn to the church and received his master's in divinity. Hmm. During this time as the graphics designer, he married Dr. Deborah Sue Keeley. Deborah was born on September 28, 1955 in Richmond, Virginia, and hence studied sociology and criminology at Longwood University, eventually becoming a professor of those subjects. Sorry, Longwood is a a 14-year-old boy thing. My goodness. So after Mark and Deborah got married, they settled down in a family home in Farmville, Virginia. So where do you study at Longwood? (laughs) Well, uh, the the, the sororities. You're just, you really are a 12-year-old boy. I know. So, okay, so they're in their nice family home, Farmville, Mm -hmm. Virginia, where they had their only child, Emma. So she was in no brothers or sisters. Both, right. both her parents homeschooled Emma from the age of about 11 years old. And, you know, on all accounts, she had a fairly sheltered upbringing. Right. Uh, though, despite this sheltered upbringing, she was always, she always had this curiosity in the occult. Hmm. Now, in my research, I find this kind of interesting I'm because sure Dad was stoked. Everyone, everyone says how kind and sweet and amicable and loving this girl was. And she was rit- ripping rabbits apart. To I know. Put well, the blood on the wall. The crazy thing was the shit that I saw in photos. You know, I don't know. I, I found it really interesting because I'm thinking loving and and respectful, and then she's flipping off the camera. Yeah. And she's got all kinds of metal in her face and 14 colors in her hair, and she's just a pissed off you can be loving and angsty teenager it's obvious she's pissed off and angsty okay i came here to kirk hammett and chew bubblegum and i'm all out of bubblegum so anyways she's involved with she's curious about the occult now in her research into the occult this led her down several different paths including some very alternative genres of music Hmm. Um, such as what's called horrorcore. Oh, yeah. Now... Insane Clown Posse. Okay, so, yes. Now, I didn't really know the term horrorcore. I slipped not a little bit. But when I looked into it, I was like, fuck yeah, I love that music. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to look at what horrorcore is in a bit. Horrorcore. But as um, a good indication of the alternative lifestyle that Emma was interested in, we're just going to kind of look into that. However... Just because she had this interest in all the alternative and the occult, it didn't mean she didn't enjoy popular music groups at the time, such as the Backstreet Boys and <laughs> popular sports like football. You all know, right. she was still into that stuff. Cool. So at the age of 15, in early 2009, Emma's parents, they decided to get a divorce. It wasn't over insane clown posse, was it? <laughs> it remained in the family home in Farmville, while Reverend Mark went to head the church in Pamphlin. Okay, so he got another place and he moved out. 
Emma's obsession with the genre of horrorcore began to intensify at this time. She's just running around, whoop, 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 Emma, It actually began to disturb her mom to the point where her mother actually set up counseling sessions to she's, ensure there was nothing alarming going on behind the scenes. The mom started talking. She's like, honey, whoop, whoop, okay? What we need to do is murder, murder, shaggy, too dope, honey. So she's got her child in counseling because she's really kind of concerned about this spiral mm. uh, that her alleged spiral that her daughter is going through. It's like you tattooed the things on your face so you should, you know, the clown she didn't, makeup, you shouldn't have done that probably. She didn't have any tattoos that okay. I know of. So Emma wasn't alone in this obsession with uh, this type of music either. Her best friend Melanie Wells also enjoyed that kind of music. Now Melanie was two years older than Emma mm-hmm. and she was born on the 13th of February in 1991 in Louisiana before moving to West Virginia and attending Musselman High School. Mm. Now it's unclear at what point Emma and Melanie became friends, but we do know that their shared love for all things alternative kicked off their friendship and they became extremely close. Mm. Now according to the official Wikipedia page, I looked this up, horrorcore is a subgenre of hip-hop music based on horror themes and often darkly transgressive lyrical content and imagery. Unlike most hardcore and gangster-rapped artists, horrorcore artists often showcase violent contents and imagery in their lyrics, beyond the realm of realistic urban violence to the point where the lyrics can be considered gruesome and a bit unsettling by some. So I was fucking a werewolf. And it was real sad. The moon was out, and I was like, "What the fuck's that?" I don't know. Is that am I am I horrorcore now? I don't know. I the just werewolf know. fucking killed me. Yeah. Well, this is this is basically you know what it states. Um, now I had a list of horrorcore bands. Anybody who's listening to this probably knows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it it was weird because it had Insane Clown Posse, mm-hmm. it had Static X, it also had Eminem. Static X. Yes. Okay. I you guess know. So. Yeah. It was like this, but it was long. It was this weird amalgam of music. I'm just not sure. I mean, you would think maybe let the bodies hit the floor. What is that? Drowning pool. Drowning pool. That I didn't. I didn't find. I guess that's a hard. Yeah, they're like. You know what I mean? Kill those bodies, bro. I don't know. It seems to me that. So if you just have subject matter that's about a death, I have song. I guess. But it's supposed to be hardcore rap. I thought like. I don't know, hip hop music. Slipknot feels like a horror <clears throat> core if we're just going core. But yeah, I mean, well, rap, rap. Um, corn is on there too. Well, that's okay. So, you know, anyways, so. So those are some bands. Hor- those are some bands. I like, I music. like a lot of those bands. I, me too. I'm old. Like so them. both Emma and her best friend Melanie had decided when Emma was about 14 or 15 to go to this horrorcore festival near San Diego. Though Emma's mother was concerned for her safety if she were to attend at such a young age, so she decided that they would all go together. Yay, mom's at the Yay, horrorcore. Mom's going to the festival. Hey, mom, whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop yeah. So the festival itself was fairly intense, but uh, Emma, Melanie, and Emma's mother came away safe and with some great memories. At and least, some Bayo soda. At least for the teens, anyways. Now, I don't think Emma's mother was that impressed. But during their time there, Emma actually became friends with somebody who works at the record label and who had her favorite artist on the roster. 
Now, they linked up over MySpace and quickly became really close friends to one another. Ah, MySpace. Emma and Melanie were actually asked to become members of the artist's online promotions team. And of course, they excitedly accepted. Street team, whoop, whoop. Also on this promotional team was a man named Richard McCroskey, who was a web developer, and he had a passion for filming concerts and taking photographs for the artists. And we appreciate the shit out of that as long as you're not a serial killer. Now, at some point, when Emma was just turning 15, Richard and Emma began to chat constantly online, and it wasn't long until they began e-dating, mm-hmm. which I found fascinating. Yeah, all the time. Well, so they would basically flood each other's MySpace profiles with messages of love and admiration for one another, despite having never actually met in person. I miss Tom. <laughs> Tom? I hope Tom's doing good in life. Is he the MySpace guy? Yeah, I bet he's, I hope he's doing good. <laughs> I hope he's out fishing. <laughs> Catching some crawdads. Dearest Tom, we miss you like the flower misses the bee when it's fucking the flower's face with this little thingy. We hope you're living it up there, Tom. Spending that money wisely. Have you heard of the interactive scat book, too? Available for pre-order now at scatcast.com. Okay, so as the months passed, they constantly discussed the day that they would finally get to meet each other for the first time. And find out they're both 50-year-old men. (laughs) Before they got to meet face-to-face. It Mm. wasn't, wasn't long. And this happened at the Strictly for the Wicked Festival in Detroit, Michigan. Whoop, whoop. Now, this popped up on their radar, and they decided that this is where they were actually going to do this first-time meeting. Whoop, whoop. However, they wouldn't actually meet at the festival itself for the first time. I wish it was because they were both 50-year-old men and met at a car auction. They decided that Richard would come to Farmville and stay with Emma's family for a few days before leaving with Melanie to go to this festival. Mm -hmm. Melanie also came to Emma's house to stay during that time so that travel arrangement arrangements would be easier. So Melanie lives in West Virginia. Right. And uh, Emma's in Virginia. So So on Sunday the 6th of September 2009, Richard arrived in Farmville and was picked up by Emma at the airport. So after grabbing his luggage, they headed to the car and set off for Emma's house. Now, it's stated that almost immediately Emma was put off by Richard's appearance and demeanor. <laughs> He was not the dynamic and confident person she had communicated with online. He lied online? How the? Well, in person, he was extremely shy, quite a bit shorter than she thought, and he was quite a bit heavier, too. Needless to say, Emma was no longer as attracted to him once she saw him in person. So the group would uh, spend the following days together talking and getting to know each other. The group meaning Melanie, Emma, Richard, and occasionally the doctor mom. So when the concert came around on Saturday, September 12th, 2009, Emma, Richard, Melanie, and both of Emma's parents traveled to Michigan to attend this event. The capital of Michigan is Lansing. The event itself uh, seemingly went well with all three teenagers enjoying the festival atmosphere. Now, I'm calling Richard a teenager because Mm -hmm. they think he's a teenager at this point. Right. He's really not. He's 20. Oh, okay. Okay. So. And she's 15? Yeah. All right. So everyone, uh, the, the, the event itself went well. They enjoyed themselves. At least that's what Emma's parents believed. 
Emma and Richard actually had had an argument during the festival. Now, what exactly they argued about, nobody really knows. It's speculated that Richard caught Emma flirting with other boys and or saw something he didn't like on Emma's phone in the form of text messages. You know what I heard? I what heard, did you hear? I heard she was like, you have one eyebrow. And he's like, no, I got two. <laughs> and it was just a fight. It happens. It's one of those things. People can't tell sometimes. You got to get in close. There's two. Uh, so at, at any rate, the group traveled back to Farmville the following day, which was Sunday, September 13th. Emma's father then returned to his own home, leaving Emma, Melanie, Richard, and Dr. Deborah, Emma's mom, in the Farmville family home. Now, during that time, Melanie posted on her MySpace blog, I guess, oh, Tom. that she was intending on returning to her hometown in West Virginia on the 16th, which oh. was that following Wednesday. However, when the 16th rolled around, Melanie didn't return to West Virginia. Right. She seemingly had fallen radio silent. When Melanie hadn't made it back home on time, her mother, unable to get a hold of her, decided to call Emma's father, Mark, on Thursday, September 17th, around 5 p.m. She's, you know, concerned about her daughter. Mark took the call on his cell phone, and Melanie's mother asked him to, would you please just kind of drop by and check on Melanie to see if she's okay? She told Mark that Melanie hadn't been answering her cell phone, and whenever she called the landline of the house, Richard would pick up and kept making excuses as to why Melanie couldn't come to the phone. So Mark, dad, got in his car and drove to Farmville to the house to check on the girls, arriving late in the evening on that same night. Melanie's mother waited by the phone very patiently for Mark's return call about the well-being of her daughter. However, as the minutes turned into hours, she began to grow more and more concerned. She tried contacting Mark, but was unable to get through to him. And then by midnight, her concern had grown into a, a panic. I bet. And reading about this and watching uh, the documentary stuff and the news stuff and hearing the 911 phone calls that we're going to cover here, yeah. or at least the, the instances, I could feel this woman's panic um, having been in situations where my daughter wasn't answering her phone and you know i'm like ah you get to the point where you just you're ready to tear through walls trying to find your child becomes a nightmare yeah yep so it was at midnight that she finally decided to call the police and ask them to go to the house for a welfare check so in the early hours of that friday morning police officers pulled into the driveway of the family home they knocked on the door when the door opened, it wasn't Dr. Deborah or one of the girls. It was 20-year-old Richard McCroskey. When the police asked him about the whereabouts of the girls, he told them that they had gone to the movies. Pretty early movie. Which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Evidently satisfied with this response, as the girls wouldn't have been able to answer the phone if they were in the theater, the police officers left the property and reported what had been uh, said back to Melanie's mother. Now... In a strange twist, though, about an hour after the police had initially come to the Farmville home, they received a second phone call at about 12.58 a.m., but this time it was from Richard McCroskey. He asked them to come back and check out the basement. He said that he'd been hearing weird noises coming from down there, and he was scared that it was like a home invasion or an intruder or something. So the police got back in their car, drove back to the house. Richard answered the front door and escorted them to the basement where they conducted a quick search to ensure there was nothing there. 
In conclusion, they found nothing and ultimately, once again, left the property. Now, by the time late Friday morning came around, Melanie's mother had still not heard from her daughter or from Mark at this point. She was absolutely sick with worry, so she decided to call the police to conduct another welfare check. Just as the day before, the police pulled into the driveway, walked up to the front door, though this time when they knocked, nobody answered. The police entered the house through the front door, although I'm unsure, I don't know if it was they had to force their way in or whether the front door had been left unlocked, but what we do know is that when the officers came to the front door, they noted a very distinct repulsive smell, which was similar to the smell of a decaying body. Mm. Now, the thing that I find interesting here is the whole day prior, the neighbors were concerned about the smell Mm -hmm. and they had been calling things in. I find it very interesting that they didn't put all those calls came from that street and those uh, accounts from neighbors and the complaints and stuff the police never put anything together. They were just there a couple of hours, six hours before um, the police that showed up weren't the same police officers. The ones that showed up the first time must not have noticed the smell. Yeah, maybe not. And they were in the house, in the basement. So I don't know how maybe the neighbors, well, the neighbors had been complaining it, complaining it about, about all that that day. Hmm. So if the neighbors could smell it, how could the police not smell it when they went to check the basement? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe he had some of those air fresheners. <laughs> the and they trees. Only, and they only worked for... They were, they were, he had trees hanging all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the movie Seven. He had that fucking scene. I don't remember what scene that is. Oh, the people that remember that scene remember that fucking scene. Okay. That movie. I, I, fucking I know I saw that movie, but I don't remember that scene. That's so crazy. Anyways. So once inside, in the downstairs bedroom, the authorities discovered three brutally murdered bodies. A fourth body was also found in a bedroom in the upstairs of the house. It was immediately clear that the occupants of the home had been attacked and killed. It was also immediately clear that the one person who was known to be staying at the residence wasn't there. 20-year-old Richard McCroskey. Fucking dick. In fact, a car that had previously been noted to be parked in the driveway of the house by the police officers that visited the property uh, in the 24 hours prior mm-hmm. also wasn't there. Well, shit. Okay, so who exactly is Richard McCroskey? <laughs> shit. So, Richard Samuel Alden McCroskey III was born on the 23rd of December 1988 in Castro Valley, California. His early childhood was mostly uneventful. Um, Though about five months before the events in this case, his parents separated and he remained living with his father. Now, he wasn't a particularly good student at school and evidently had no plans of going to college or any plans for a conventional career path. His love for horrorcore music, uh, that genre, developed around the age of 11 and he soon began producing his own music under the name of Psycho Sam. Mm. Now, some of his releases include titles such as Murderous Rage, <laughs> Jesus Told Me to Do It, Burning Churches, oh, My Dark Side, and The Voices. Now, if for some reason you're interested in hearing his music, a quick YouTube search will give you what you're looking for. Hmm. And uh, Still up, huh? Yeah, it's still there. And so is evidently the MySpace pages. I couldn't, but in these articles, and people have found them, but I... 
I'm not familiar with MySpace. Yeah, it's all new. It's weird. They've changed it, yeah. So anyways, evidently they're still up as of uh, 2020. When I was listening to this one thing, pulling some information, they still had the MySpace pages up. So the lyrics in his songs, and particularly the song Murderous Rage, they're extremely eerie and horrifying considering his later actions. So... I also uh, looked into that, and he pretty much talks about what he does in this song. Yikes. And that song was recorded way before he does what he does. So Richard was considered Yikes. to be a loner by his peers at school and by his family. He never really had any friends and spent most of his time alone in his room. Now, it's stated by family members that Richard actually hated music of all genres and would get extremely angry whenever he heard it even going so far as to shut down socially and lock himself in his room. That is, until around 11 years old. Now, his father is of particular interest, as he had been a rock guitarist who had raised both Richard and his sister through um, metal bands, such as Judas Priest, Metallica, and strangely, Primus, which I find that interesting that they dump Primus, Metallica, and Judas Priest together. Yeah. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> but anyways, how exactly is music taste morphed from these bands to horrorcore is not really known. But in his teen years, Richard spent the majority of his time in his bedroom composing and producing music on his computer. He was also known to play um, a copious amount of video games. Hmm. He also began to design web pages, which he actually became pretty good at. Richard also frequently posted on his MySpace page to promote his music. Speaking of what I assume is garbage, here's some. Oh, you found it. Those are voices. Yeah. So okay. vocal style is not. <laughs> when you play that on an acoustic guitar, it doesn't sound as good. That's okay. So you found voices in my head. Mm -hmm. The other song. Let me see here. Let's see. What was it? Uh, Murderous rage. Murderous rage. Yeah, okay. find that one. No, yeah. thank you. No, thank you. Because I know our listeners are probably interested in in finding out what what we well, got going on. Then here. they don't have to look it up. Yeah. Murderous rage. Let's see how we do. Psycho Sam. Yeah, and it's Psycho S-Y-K-O. Yeah, that's yeah, correct. Murderous yeah. Rage. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Well, we got some, got some production dies. Very original. Bong smoke. Is that what that is? I think so. Might be a hot air balloon. I thought he was rolling through a field. Let's... Okay. We're moving ahead. Oh. All right. That's about enough of that. Yep. <clears throat> so this is, um, their their 15 16 year old daughter this is her boyfriend oh, fuck me 
I mean, most was, people that, that are was. fans of these things are lovely people mm-hmm. and are just finding an outlet for all sorts of different things. Right, right, right. right. We're going to talk about that, by Yeesh. the way. Once this is done, at the end, when we do our discussion, we're going to talk about this. That's creepy when somebody goes out and does what they rap about. Right. Like, on that kind of level. Right. Yeah. Friendly friends are friendly as fuck. Hey, kids, I'm a friendly friend. I'm an animal of some kind. You could pick. A bunny. Fuck yeah, I'm a bunny now. But let me tell you something. When the world's scary as shit, and people seem fucked up, everybody is fucked up, but maybe not as much as that, you know, guy that we're talking about. Just remember the good things, like pet a puppy or something. Okay. All right, then. So, MySpace, promoting music. (laughs) Oh, Tom. (laughs) Sweet, sweet Tom. So, it was through his web design that he would meet members of SKR, or Serial Killer Records, Mm. and begin to work with them in web design and filming music videos. Now, that's another thing that I kind of delved into. Their music videos that he recorded for um, this one artist, it was awesome. It was awful. Oh, really? I mean, there very was violent. very, very, I've never seen anything like it. Really? It was very violent and I couldn't see the whole thing. It was like little tiny pieces. Huh. And so the little pieces I saw, I was like, well, that's enough of that. We're not watching <laughs> any more of that. Awful, awful. Hmm. Okay. So anyways, that's just my personal opinion. You sure. know, I'm, I'm vanilla, I guess. I don't know. It's all good. So on Thursday, the 17th of September, as Melanie's mother was desperately trying to get a hold of Melanie, Richard placed a phone call to his father's house. Now, nobody was actually there and nobody picked up the phone, but he did leave them a message where he said that he hoped everyone was okay. I hope you guys are okay. <laughs> and he ended the message by saying, I love you guys, which, according to his sister, was extremely out of character. Hmm. The McCroskey family had never been the kind of family that were openly affectionate. And so Richard expressing his love for his family was of immediate concern to his sister. When she heard the message, she knew something was definitely wrong. Mm. On the day the police discovered the quadruple homicide, between the hours of 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. that evening, a friend of Richard's called the police to let them know about a phone call that he'd had with Richard the day before. Richard called his friend on Thursday afternoon and shared something deeply disturbing. He told his friend that during this phone call that he had killed one or more people and he was clearly upset at his own actions. Now, as a result of this phone call and due to the fact that Richard had gone missing, presumably stealing the car that had been parked in the driveway that had belonged to Emma's father, Mark, Richard was identified as the prime suspect in this case. Now, in the early hours of Saturday, September 19th, the authorities sent over photographs of Richard to the nearest airports uh, to ensure that if he did try to leave the state, he would be found and apprehended. Just a handful of hours after the police had sent out the photographs of Richard, at around 4.30 a.m., a police officer actually ticketed a man who'd been driving without a license after he had driven his car into a ditch. Yeah, so a tow driver was called who assisted in pulling the car from the ditch and who also dropped Richard off at a nearby convenience store. Hmm. Now, unknowingly, the officer and the tow driver uh, had both encountered 20-year-old Richard McCroskey, who was fleeing the scene of a quadruple murder. Yeah. So the tow driver would later tell the courts that Richard had a very strong odor about him, and it seems as if he hadn't showered in a while. Richard had told this tow driver that the car he had crashed into the ditch actually belonged to his girlfriend's father. 
And the tow driver joked about that his girlfriend was going to kill him when she found out. Hmm. Hmm. The police officer He's like <laughs> the police officer that had ticketed Richard had seen no reason to arrest him as he presented nothing that could have been uh, deemed as suspicious right. aside from besides the stink the smell the tow driver would also later tell the courts that Richard appeared to have bruising around his neck so after he had dropped Richard off at the convenience store, they went on their way as it was the early hours of the morning and people just wanted to go home. So basically everyone went on their way. The next sighting of Richard was at a restaurant in Farmville at around 6 a.m. that same morning. He ordered some breakfast and sat alone, appearing to be somewhat despondent, stressed out. It was during this breakfast that he developed a plan for his escape. He would catch the next plane out of state. So, after finishing his breakfast, he called for a taxi and was picked up around 8.20 a.m. to go to the nearby Richmond airport. Now, while on the road, Richard spoke to the taxi driver about his love of horrorcore music. Mm. Seems to be all he talks about. For breakfast, I had whoop, whoop, bloops. He talked about whoop, whoop, bloops. <laughs> the, the fe- he talked about the festival that he'd recently attended and his girlfriend, Emma, also. During this t- trip, the taxi driver was actually pulled over by the police for speeding. <laughs> and as the police ticketed... He wanted the- to get that guy the fuck out of his car. Right. Well, I'm Stink. thinking that was probably... So as the Stink. police ticketed the taxi driver, Richard had stepped out of the car and smoked a cigarette. The taxi driver would later tell the courts that Richard seemed to be in good spirits. He was, wasn't was acting abnormally at all, aside from an overwhelming, horrible odor that he had about him. Overwhelming. Yes. Hmm. Now, some sources state that Richard made a call to the authorities or somebody else important to this case during this time period and confessed to the murders, but... I couldn't confirm that that actually had happened or if it was just a media speculation or a rumor. So, um, Mm. as he waited to board his plane, he made it to the airport. And as he sat there and waited to board his plane at the Richmond airport around 1130 in the morning, the police... A bunch of guys in hazmat suits came out and sprayed him down. Well, the police located Richard and arrested him. Mm. Richard had been sleeping at the terminal when the police found him, and he willingly gave himself up to the authorities. Later, the authorities would state that they actually smelled him before they saw him. Oh, boy. When they arrested Richard, they conducted a quick search of the of his body to ensure he had no weapons before taking him into custody. His poopy smell is a weapon. <clears throat> well, the smell, by the way, was from him living with these bodies for right. four days. I thought maybe it was something like that. Yeah. Yes, and obviously he hadn't showered either. But So he was transported to the Farmville Police Station to undergo questioning, though he refused to cooperate with the investigators initially. However, due to the overwhelming evidence against Richard, namely the friend telling the police that he confessed to the murders prior to him being named a suspect, and the fact that he had been witnessed at the crime scene and had run away from it, Not to mention that he had stolen Mark's car. Mm-hmm. He was indicted on six counts of capital murder. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. The six counts was initially stated because the police had drawn links between Richard and two other homicide cases oh. that had similarities to this case, but both had occurred within the three years prior. Hmm. So when the investigators asked Richard what his motives were for the murders, Despite not cooperating with the police, he told them, Jesus told me to do it. 
Like the song? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I know, cheesy. So during his questioning, his home uh, back in California was searched and several items were seized and entered into evidence, including his personal computer, mm. the house phones where he had left the, vo- the voicemail, and other minor pieces of evidence such as notebooks and stuff. Eventually, Richard caved and confessed to everything. However, he did it in vivid detail. Oh, God. Right? He told the authorities that he had murdered Melanie, Dr. Deborah, and Emma the day after they had gotten back from the festival on September 14th Hmm. at about 3 a.m. in the morning. Before committing the violent murders, he said he smoked a bowl, he drank a bunch of alcohol, then he took a hammer and a maul, and a maul is um, like a... It's a square fucking. It's like a. It's like an axe with a square. I think it's yeah. a log splitter. I think mm-hmm. uh, either that or it's it's basically a metal hammer on both ends. I've seen them both, so okay. we'll see. Well, so he took those two things and first attacked Melanie, who was uh, she was actually sleeping on the couch in the downstairs den of the house. He then went upstairs and attacked Doctor Deborah, who, like Melanie, had been asleep in her office. After murdering Emma's mother, Richard went into Emma's bedroom and attacked her also while she slept. Mm. Each of the bodies had been bludgeoned beyond recognition, with the authorities having to later use dental records to positively identify the remains. Richard then stayed in the home for about three days with the bodies before Emma's father Mark came to the house on the request of Melanie's mother. Richard attacked Mark from behind using the same weapons he'd used on Mark's family and Melanie. Mark was instantly rendered unconscious, and then he was bludgeoned beyond recognition. His skull was shattered. At some point, Richard had decided to move the bodies from where he had murdered them to the downstairs bedroom, though he left Emma's body in her bedroom upstairs. Not sure why he did that. Um, there's evidence that that's where he spent most of his time, though. So oh, there's that's kind of that's kind of icky. You know, you come to this planet and you're like, look at all the pretty things, and then you're I like, know. oh wow, look what's under the carpets here. Right, right. So, anyways, autopsies conducted on the remains concluded that Emma, Melanie, and Doctor Deborah never actually awakened during the attacks, hmm. as there were no but. defensive wounds, which could coincide with uh, conscious self-defense. After he had murdered Mark, Richard had started recording himself on a digital camera that was in the house. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. I never want to see that. Okay, well, I saw it. Oh, and did? yeah, it's it's uh, creepy because I kind of wish I never listened to his music, too. It's disingenuous. It's uh, overly dramatic. <laughs> I bet. And it's creepy as fuck because of the way he looks at the camera. Uh, it's, it's When I was looking up that shit, I think I saw the face he's got like a hoodie on or some shit yeah he's just a creepoid what a lovely world (laughs) so in this video he told the camera that he knew deep down that he had to pay for what he had done now i'm paraphrasing that because it annoyed me the grammar nazi in me (laughs) was like he knows he's gonna have to pay for his consequences (laughs) okay that's what he said i know i'm gonna have to pay for my consequences i'm gonna have to pay for my consequential i'm gonna of course let's let's not be foolish he's probably standing over a bludgeoned body and he's probably not thinking straight this whole time i was surprised that he made it to the airport 
I was surprised that he figured out the airport. Yeah. Airport's complicated. <laughs> right. And listening to his music, I was like, I, how, I did, he, I how bet did he do that? I bet it's hard to get a, a ticket right. for a guy like that. Right. No uh, kidding. Especially the way he smelled. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny. Uh, not funny. I thought it was annoying. I'm going to have to pay for my consequences. Yeah. He says that statement two or three times, and it's all like in this voice where he's talking like, i to pay for my consequences. He thinks he's so badass, and it just pissed me off. Yeah. Anyways, enough of bashing on this guy. Is it? Is it enough? <sighs> Old dick. So in this video, he also made several indications that he would try to end his own life before having to deal with the consequences of his actions hmm. now this is where um the suspected well uh, it used to be suicide but now the the expected unalive was supposed to happen sure what are we supposed to say there <laughs> i have no idea but anyways he was supposed to <laughs> supposedly try to take his own life mm -hmm. um that's where the bruising around his neck came in mm -hmm. where he tried to do an unalive <laughs> Now, due to the severity of his crimes under the Virginia criminal law, Richard was facing the death penalty for the quadruple homicides. I can still say homicide, right? Yeah, I think so. However, in September of 2010, three more months. the prosecution offered him a plea deal. This plea deal would see him plead guilty to the four brutal murders in exchange for a life sentence. The plea deal was actually agreed upon and supported by the victim's families, who didn't want for they didn't want the case to go to trial and they didn't want to have to live through the horrific events and the images and all of that oh, that had happened to their loved ones. Yeah. So they're just like put him away forever. Imagine a jury having to uh, watch all these things and listen to this stupid Right. Yeah. Right. So subsequently Richard pled guilty to two counts of capital capital murder and two counts of first degree murder. And they shot him from a cannon into the sun and all was better for a <laughs> Well, little, he was bit. sentenced to life in prison with Without the possibility of parole now those two other homicide charges that were brought against him they were dropped due to a lack of evidence mm. so and that was the end of that that's all I ever heard of mm. Richard claims that he committed these brutal murders because of his relationship with Emma he had in his words own words well this is paraphrased but basically he said he had developed a fantasy portrayal of his relationship with Emma over the year that they had been in constant contact over the internet. Mm -hmm. And then when he met her in person, she just didn't live up to his fantasy. And he got angry. She didn't like him. <laughs> she probably made fun. They had that conversation about the eyebrows. And right. The eyebrows. Let there be two. Yeah. So according to his attorney. There's two of them. <laughs> according to his attorney, Emma's family and uh, best friend had only been murdered because they'd been in the wrong place at the wrong time. He only wanted to kill Emma. So as Richard was being taken from the courthouse following his sentencing, uh, the video, if you look it up, you'll see it. He walks out in cuffs and he's smirking for the camera and looking out from underneath his eyebrows and eyelashes like he thinks he's cool as shit. And it's clear to me, Richard showed no remorse for the horrifying and violent acts he committed. And I, for one, am glad that he will remain behind bars until the day he dies. I really personally. think the cannon thing into the sun yeah. would probably be better. But cheaper. probably. Uh, you know, this is where I'd like to open things up here. The death penalty is still on the table during this period of time in Virginia, for one. We don't really need to talk about the death penalty here, but what I do want to talk about on the other side of this thing is there's a whole bunch of argument that the music, 
made him do it and mm-hmm. the video games made him do it so let's nope. talk about that okay and now it's time for the conclusion of this dipshit files the music made him do it yeah wrong the music made him right fucking wrong so the thing that the thing that gets me is in my research and in police reports and in um these the speculation from people in the media horror core music isn't for everybody Okay, it's it's a you know it's a, a taste thing, and part of me I I think it does go a little far, as far as the lyrics go, mm-hmm. and I think it does go a little far as as far as the music videos go, for my taste. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I think it should be outlawed. Definitely, that's not. just it. No, it um, doesn't really say anything about people that they. It says a little bit, maybe, but not... Well... People like weird things. I know. They, the sweetest little sweeties. It's not my thing. Right. And, but I do like some of the bands. And yeah, yeah, the lyrics are out there. And even when I was listening... So, Corn uh, for one, there is, there's one song that... <laughs> there is a song out there um, that the first time I heard it, I was appalled... I was appalled by the lyrics so much that my eyes were wide, my jaw dropped open, and I laughed because it was so fucking grotesque and appalling, I didn't know what else to do. (laughs) Um, Blown away that people were actually saying these things. And then... As time went on, I'm still appalled by it today, but it's a good song. <laughs> it's a good song, right. although the lyrics are hard to listen to, even huh. even when I was in my 20s, you yeah. know. It's a way to vent. Like uh, a lot of people said that in the 80s about and 90s about mm-hmm. the death metal bands and right. all that satanic stuff. And right. I remember interviewing some guys from Slayer mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I'm a Catholic. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> well, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about what you're doing. What, what are you up to, sir? See Because it does not uh, match necessarily. I don't know. It, to me, it seems like art should be taken as it as it is you can't blame art for the bad actions of other people Mm. and that's whether it's a book or a painting or music or a a music video video games that's another one that's on the chopping block here and because he played violent video games right what i can't for his temperament perhaps perhaps it it gave him a a, you know i get the argument that people are saying it's not it's not nonsense to say that Mm -mm. somebody that has a proclivity for these kind of things that's just it a proclivity yeah and they get in there and they you know people are like they're training for murder and it's like i get about the million and a half other people that listen to the same fucking thing at the same age right they're not out there killing they're having fun they're larping and it's okay to do that right you know it's letting it's Def, like deicide is the most grotesque you know lyrics well they're cool lyrics but whatever <laughs> and you're just like whoa okay but it's it's really meant for a kind of person a mm-hmm. kind of like archetype of a human that, mm-hmm. to that's i don't know people go to bed to that shit i, I, know. I have friends of mine that are like mm-hmm. it's that the loudest double kick fucking mm-hmm. operatic fucking <laughs> and they're like that's I know my symphony of sleep music. I think I think it's a matter of um, you know taste as far as art goes. Yeah. The thing is, just because one individual has a proclivity or a he, they're predisposed to violent acts, and they also get something a bit different from this, mm. doesn't mean that it should be banned. Mm. 
Mm-mm. You know, um, I don't know. I, I have a hard time with that because I was on that team years ago mm-hmm. when before you and I met that I thought video games, really violent graphic video games I didn't want them in my house. Right. They have to be directly correlating to violence in well, America. Well, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. I thought I was leaning in that direction, but namely because I had young children. And well, that I was the narrative, too, right, at the time. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want my, you know, seven-year-old or eight-year-old and my 14-year-old playing Grand Theft Auto, shooting people in the head. Right. That's not something I wanted for my children. Sure. So... It took some time. It took some conversation. And of course, as my children got older, it wasn't as big of a concern for me. Mm-hmm. You've already taught them your <clears> values <throat> and, and they've absorbed them. And right. So now it's like, all right, Grand Theft Auto, go see what... Well, you know, now they're adults. Make sure you pay those hookers and don't you kill them. <laughs> don't you rob them after you kill them. It's very strange. All I know is they're, they're older. They're adults now. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Thank fuck. The Sorry. thing is, I do think that some music videos, some musical lyrics, and some video games should be children under the, a certain age should be probably sheltered from those things. Yeah, it's up to the parent. Yes. um, Maybe up to the stores too, if the parents can't be part of that. I don't, I don't know about that because there are parents out there that, you know, are exposing their four-year-old, five-year-old to movies like Saw. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they think that's okay. Yeah. Is that okay? I, for me, absolutely not. For me, I feel right. like innocence is like the key That's to exact- childhood. And right. the moment you introduce things that are like, hey, look at this world. It's a fucking shit show. Yeah, crazy. here's this guy's going to saw off his own foot right in front of you. And it's going to look very real and yeah. disturbing. I don't think so. I remember when I was a little kid and I saw Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And that there's a scene where... Kalima, mm-hmm. and he takes yeah. the heart out of his fucking chest, yeah. and it's fucking right there. Mm-hmm. And I remember older, I'm like Steven Spielberg, you son of a bitch. You knew exactly what you're you doing. You know which you one? You know which one got me? What's that? Bambi. Oh, the mom. Mm-hmm. I was so fucking. That one hit me too. Old Yeller Awful. fucking hammered. Oh, me. and Old Yeller hammered me too. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go brutal. shoot my dog. I'm looking at my dog like I gotta do that. I know. My dad's like, awful. you don't have to do that. I'm like, why? He's like, we shouldn't mm-hmm. have done this. Right. Let's it was put in Star Wars, it and then it's a, the dad. Uh, <laughs> oh, my dad's dying. It's just a bunch of. But you know, that was uh, it. Was Bambi for me as a child. And then, and the reason why I brought Saw up is because um, that was an incident that happened when the kids were younger um, with my daughter. She was at a friend's house. Oh, and they were watching Saw. And so was the little brother who was five. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm, you know your kids, I guess. It was the first one where, um, <laughs> no. what's his face, Carrie. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Princess Brad. Elwes. <laughs> How do you pronounce his name? Yui's. Is it Yui's? I think it's Yui's. Lovely um, man. Cut off his own foot. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Anyways. That's the only saw I ever saw. That's the only saw I ever saw with these eyes. That's the only saw that you ever saw. Yeah. But evidently, and I don't remember if Britt actually watched the movie. I know it was on. I don't remember the details. Right. I They're was like, Mom, it's not a big deal. Nobody cared. He I wasn't was, watching it. I was appalled by the five-year-old watching yeah, the that's movie. That's not okay. Yeah. I would be against it 100%. Up to, I don't even know what age would be okay. I don't know. 12, 13, 14 is when they start getting real sophisticated. Uh, but some kids mature earlier. Right. Girls mature I, earlier I than boys. I still think five's a bit young. Fucking bro. Five is just too young. Absolutely. Anyways. By, probably by how? I mean, it, 
10 is too young. <laughs> 11, 12, maybe. I watched some kids that got Grand Theft Auto at 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Some of the best people I know now. So right. It's in there. So what do you guys think? <laughs> I would like to hear some some of your opinions. And let, you know, maybe it's like ours. Maybe our listeners think that, you know, it's okay. I Ban don't, the insane clown posse. I Ban don't, them. I don't know. No. Um, I don't think we should. I don't think no. there should be laws made to, to keep everyone from listening to something because one dipshit can't seem to fucking figure it out. Right. I don't think that's okay. Um, Society often runs at the pace of the slowest runners. Right. Well, that's 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 a problem. It is. Because the rest of us can't enjoy something we might enjoy. Yeah. We you definitely shouldn't I mean? legislate it. We should, well, as a society, we should be looking at this like, okay, uh, certain kids are definitely going to react to video games differently than other right. kids. Uh, it's a very tiny percentage, though. And, pr- and just... Pr- projecting that on your kid just because mm-hmm. they might have a bad attitude or something like that it's just right. a slippery slope it's right. dangerous well and That's not only not, not only that um once it, it becomes a matter of musical taste and genres and that sort of thing yeah. who's the one who's deciding that and what words aren't allowed and how far is that gonna go you know what i mean i do that's a whole nother conversation i remember when eminem was faced with this stuff. Yeah, when he was talking about killing mm-hmm. his wife who was alive. That's right. I'm sure that was an interesting right. thing for his wife where she's like, wow, okay. That's right. Uh, that's, we share a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was a, there's, there's been so many. See um, you at the pickup. <laughs> there, there's, there's just so many. I don't know. But I would like to hear our listeners' opinions. So, yeah. you know. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of, like we, in the sovereign world, I met so many cool juggalo people Right. I was like, fuck, I'm putting it in in our world and it's on our map. Yeah. Like in Nevada, it's the Juggalo we Nation. Ma- that's right. Yeah, I, we, I actually, you married a couple I married juggalos. a couple of them. Yeah. yeah and lovely people. And mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't marry them. You, you, I didn't get married to them. No. I, I officiated. I was the officiant at their wedding. Yeah. I mean, we weren't wearing makeup or anything. Well, we were wearing makeup, but they yeah. asked us to wear sovereign makeup. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a sovereign wedding. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, myself and Strayed uh, mm-hmm. Shaden were the, the best minis mm-hmm. and you were the, the, the yeah. people. You know what? If you guys are interested, you can uh, check out the band's YouTube page and the video of the wedding is there. Is it really? Yeah. Sovereign wedding. Goodness gracious. It's right there. Yeah. So whoop whoop and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But lovely people, and that's yeah. that's why. But it's also a place where, to me, it's it's like antithetical to the things that I would listen to. I think. Oh yeah. You know where it's Most hard, of it's the hard stuff. for me to wrap my mind around, <clears throat> and it, and what's scary for probably that whole culture is like people that don't like that music are like, oh, these are all crazy folk, right? And they do have cool party, like the juggalo gathering stuff that mm-hmm. they do. Uh, we were told all about that stuff. And then mm-hmm. you look into the business model of Insane Clown Posse. Uh, you got to have some respect for these are independent folk. Mm-hmm. Big warehouse full of stuff. They come up with, they have their own sodas and their own things. The, the <clears throat> whoop whoop loops are probably a thing. I don't even know I mean, anything. That I, I'm not a fan of ICP. I don't think I've ever listened to any of their music. Right. Um, Shaggy, I want fucking half of the money for... Whoop whoop whoops if you do that. <laughs> I was a corn fan. Right. You know? Um, it seems like night and day different to me as far as like... Is it? Uh, to me. Uh, but I mean, they came out at the same time. They played the similar festivals. They? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I, re- I mean I'm not, I'm not David Pedia. David Pedia. <laughs> I am not. I don't know. Well, that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. But... There is more of this conversation that we're going to take over into Patreon. It's about time. So we're going to continue a little bit with this one. And then I have a whole 
other group of information that I'd like to share. That's right. Our first bonus uh, yeah. episode. So, yeah. yeah, for you patrons, thank you so much for being patrons. We yes. appreciate the shit out of you. Thank we you, thank you. We finally have a dipshit files yeah. bonus thing. So we'll do that probably once a month. Mm-hmm. And this will be the one. I, <laughs> this one's about axe murderers, huh? Yeah, it is. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, so we'll see I you there. I have a theory. <laughs> yeah, you, you've come uncovered some shit. Maybe. Maybe. I'm curious to see what you guys think. So in the Patreon, yeah. Monique has got... She, you, when I was working for Time Suck, mm-hmm. there's a couple... You've helped me all the time with research mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You broke a couple things where it was like, damn, girl, <laughs> where'd you find that? And it was like brand new and shit. And, you know, anyway. It's fun. It's good stuff. Deep research. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our trusted yes. triad of Don Fisher, Chris Brooks, and Bodhi Samyata. Mm-hmm. We appreciate the shit out of those guys. Uh, thank you to PJ and Minnie for doing some of the awesome things on the internets, the Reddit. Thank uh, you, thank you. And all of the shitbox, like battle militia. I don't know. We gotta we gotta come up with a, a name for the folks that do all of the manning of the internet stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the scat army, the, the scat meme army, meme army. I can't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. The scat meme army. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things on the earth. They are busy. They're yeah. busy. I love it. Uh, yeah. So that's smearing the scat like crazy, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But thank you guys for doing all the things. Info at scatcast.com if you guys want to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read everything mm-hmm. and we try to respond to as much as we can. And then uh, you can give us information or you can give us uh, updates on stuff. Mm-hmm. Let us know if we got something wrong or let us know if you have something cool that you want to you know, see done in this show. And if you don't want to actually write anything, you can always go to the SpeakPipe on the website, yeah. scatcast.com, in the Contact Us page, mm-hmm. and you can leave us a voicemail. I've got so many funny things in there. <laughs> Some, there's so many funny things, people saying that. Uh, please feel free to put funny things into the SpeakPipe. Mm-hmm. We will also hear those, and I'm making a compilation of them later, I think. So nice. something like that. But all right, so Patreon is where you can go for the dipshit files, patreon.com backslash scatcast forward slash forward one of the slashes it's a slash thing you know how to use the internet Uh, (laughs) but as always we'll talk at you in the future and it'll seem like the present that's a rumor Bing. Bong.